Well, hello again. This is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1948-1949 season. Wow, big podcast for you today, big show for you today. Um, awesome. Anyway, let's get right into it because I've got a lot of ground to cover. First of all, I want to say I mentioned last week on our Tuesday night show that I'd had a mistake that I'd made the week prior, and I didn't tell you what the mistake was or what show. I just wanted to see if people figured it out, and I had two folks get the right answer. One was Richard, the other one was Greg. Uh, both sent me wonderfully polite emails saying they thought this was a mistake and explaining why and everything, and they were right. Uh, Richard sent his email first, and then Greg sent one a little later. Anyway, the uh, problem was actually with our Tuesday night show, not of last week, but of the week before, uh, Eddie Cantor had visited Jack's show and um, was talking about how Jack was going to be on his show. So I tried to bring you that Eddie Cantor show that would have Jack as a guest star. Now what happened was I did a search and I couldn't find it in any of the standard places I usually find shows that I'm trying to look for. So then I did a search of everybody's podcasts around the planet and found one that actually had the show supposedly. So I got the show and knowing that usually when you can find a show only in like one place, there's a good chance that it might be uh, in error as to the date. So I started playing it. And within a few minutes, um, Eddie Cantor starts singing a little bit of a Christmas song. So I thought to myself, okay, this is probably the right show because uh, it's supposed to be Christmas time. He's singing a Christmas song, ties it in, makes sense. So I, I stopped listening and I went ahead and hooked it up and uh, released it as one of my podcasts. Well then, later, as you folks listen, I listened in as well because I wanted to hear the whole show. And as I started listening to the whole show, I realized, wait a minute, they're talking about Jack's movie. And Jack's movie they're talking about, his current release, is George Washington Slept Here. Well, the problem is George Washington Slept Here came out in 1942. So, and, and what ran through my mind just in an instant, you know, when you get thoughts going through your brain, it was, oh, well, maybe this was the release to home video of <laughs> George Washington Slept Here. And then I, I caught myself and was like, wait a minute, we're about, uh, what, 65 years away from home video even being a thought. So, of course, that wasn't the case. Um, anyway, uh, then I went back and looked at the Eddie Cantor shows from 1942, and there's a Christmas show featuring Jack. I played the first couple minutes of it, realized, yeah, it was the exact same show, so it was a mislabeled show. Um, I feel bad, actually, for putting out a show that's mislabeled, because now um, other folks may come and grab my show thinking that it's the 1948 uh, Eddie Cantor show featuring Jack when it's really 1942, but that's just a bummer. <laughs> um, I'm going to relabel the show uh, now so that it's uh, it shouldn't it's not going to show up any differently for you folks, but any new folks looking for it should trip over there and see that it's going to say 1942 instead of 1948. Um, anyway, congratulations to Richard and Greg. Good catch. Um, I was uh, thinking that some people pro will probably connect that together. It was kind of a, a trickier catch, but you did it, so nice job. 
Now, throwing that to the side, let's go into tonight's episode. Huge changes for Jack here. Uh, in this last month uh, from 65 years ago, uh, Jack's team was working with CBS and NBC and um, the, um, what, the, the tobacco company that, uh, of course, sponsors Jack, Lucky Strike, and they were um, trying to figure out uh, a situation. I'm going to step back a little bit in time to 1947 to kind of tell you what this, how this all came about. Uh, it's a huge situation that will affect television, radio for the next number of years, and television for the next couple of decades. What happens here in the last in, during um, this time, 65 years ago? Anyway, a year before this, in 1947, the Amos and Andy show um, realized that there was a problem that almost everybody was having, and this problem was that if you made over seventy-five thousand dollars a year, you would um, be at the tax rate of about 90%, where the government would take 90%, and you as the uh, person being hired or whatever would get 10%. So that was an undoable situation in that the actors thought they should make, the actors, producers, everybody thought they should make more money than that. The Of course, the advertisers were making a fortune selling their products. It just was a situation that was frustrating to a lot of folks. So the managers, Ramos and Andy, came up with a creative idea. They decided to incorporate the show and give stock to the different actors that were chiefly in charge of the show. And by doing that, they could say they were paying for the show and not the individual actor, and so they were able to use it as capital gains taxes, which were taxed at 25%, instead of the 90%, right? So it's a huge difference in the amount of money the actors would make at that point. But William Paley over at CBS at, during this time frame realized uh, that, okay, if these are corporations, we can buy a corporation. <laughs> and so they bought, essentially bought Amos and Andy's show and brought it to CBS from NBC. Well, seeing this all happening, a lot of other stars were interested in doing the same sort of deal that Amos and Andy did. Uh, one of the first ones being Jack. So Jack created Amusement Enterprises, which was, the sole holding was Jack's show, basically. And uh, there was, I think, four stocks, or four stockholders, just Jack, like his manager, um, and his, I can't remember, his, Jack, his manager, his PR company, I think, and, and uh, someone else. Anyway, so they, they, own, they own all of Jack's show. Well, then uh, CBS said, hey, how about if we do the same thing we do with Amos and Andy and buy your, basically buy your show by buying stock in your company and have you come work for us? Well, Jack wanted to make sure that NBC had a chance too, and so he talked to NBC, and NBC wasn't as sure that they wanted to do this or not. Um, also, there was a lot of money in the pot. But it sounds like NBC actually halfway sort of offered Jack 
about two and a half million dollars that would be his as capital gains, not as not taxed any other way, to keep the show. But unfortunately, they kept on adding little clauses to the contract and and things that made Jack feel uncomfortable and his his team feel uncomfortable, and they kept on kind of delaying things. And CBS was like, no, no, we just want to do this. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's do it. And so they weren't putting up any roadblocks. And CBS actually only paid $2 million, which was less, of course, than NBC had offered. But I think just because Jack was feeling like NBC was kind of disrespecting him in some ways, that he just decided to jump ship and go to CBS. So they signed contracts to go to CBS. Uh, he made $2 million plus another 300000 some way, I can't remember how that all worked out, and end up jumping ship to, to CBS. Well, CBS was doing this because they, the one, they wanted folks for their, you know, their uh, network radio stations, but they were really laying the seeds for television, and they were trying to acquire all these great stars for television, and they did a brilliant job of it. <laughs> The fact that they were able to do this over and over and replicate it and just steal NBC's... Because NBC would have been the number one television channel for sure with all these stars they were able to keep them all. But because they weren't, things changed and CBS became number one for sure for decades on decades and still today is number one and has been. Um, anyway, so here's what happens here. They get Amos and Andy... They also get um, Jack Penny's show. They also acquire a Red Skelton. And they acquire Burns and Allen. And Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Now, in hindsight, or not even hindsight, I would think, just sitting in the room with these guys, he would have been able to say at the time, okay, I, I get how maybe they... I can see two sides of this. One, I can see that getting Amos and Andy and just seeing if this was even possible because they were the first show to incorporate and establishing, yeah, we can do this legally, okay? Then you do it with all the others. Makes sense. That started the ball rolling, I guess. But in reality, um, Amos and Andy doesn't make a whole lot of sense for going into television because here you have two white actors that play black actors on radio have already been getting some kickback for, or pushback, I should say, for doing this. And you're just inviting controversy when you bring them into television, which, of course, they did. They replaced them with all black actors, a black cast, thinking that that would, you know, there's no way you could do blackface going into television. So by replacing them with black actors that that would be an okay thing. But they were stereotypical black characters, and so having black uh, actors play stereotypical black characters was not seen in the best of lights either. Um, so, to me, that whole thing didn't work very well, and they could have seen going forward that it wasn't going to work very well. And they probably wasted a lot of money buying Amos and Andy. I mean, it gave them a few years of a really hot radio show, 
and I'm sure they probably made money off of that, but it didn't pan out in the long, long term like some of those shows did. The other one that strikes me like that is Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. I mean, here's a guy with a a ventriloquist dummy on radio, and everybody knows he's not the greatest ventriloquist, because anytime I'd already seen him, like he was in uh, some of the Disney movies and things, you could see he, his lips would always move while he was doing the character. It was just, he did such a good job with the voice of the character that it worked in radio. But I couldn't see, how's that really going to work in television? And of course it didn't. They tried it a few different times, it really didn't work very well in television, so again, probably not much return on their money for buying that franchise. Now, the others are insane. I mean, let, let's start at the bottom and work our way up here. Burns and Allen. It gives them a great team for radio, a great team for television, and in television, they make a very successful eight-year run in television, and then Gracie retires. Well, there's no way for them to know that Gracie's going to retire in eight years. So, but an eight-year run is an eight-year run. That's a hugely successful television series, and uh, could have gone on longer had Gracie continued to want to do it. Then you've got Jack's show. Jack's television show runs for 15 years. One of the longest-running comedy pro well, no, longest-running programs, period. Definitely one of the longest-running comedy programs. One of a handful of comedy programs that can run that long. Um, extremely successful. And when they move it from NBC to CBS, because they do a beautiful rollout to CBS, this show goes from being the number three show in the country to being number one immediately as they switch it over. So, it's just beautifully done. Then you go to the Big Kahuna, who wasn't the Big Kahuna at the time, but it really became that, in Red Skelton. And then his show, though he wasn't as successful on radio as Jack, in television, he went for 20 seasons. 20 years they benefited from getting him from NBC. Just a crazy success story there. So, overall, did these talent rates work for CBS? Oh, yes, they worked great for CBS. Did they throw a lot of money <laughs> these people's way? Yes, they did throw a lot of money their way. Luckily, they had a lot of money lying around or whatever they could use, but it, they definitely got it all back uh, just between Jack's show and Red Skelton's show. Probably they made enough back to do the whole thing just on the benefits they got from having Red Skelton on for 20 years. Probably covered all the deals they made with everybody. Um, anyway, interesting, interesting thing. Now, what we have for you tonight, because uh, I, I told you I mentioned how s smooth this segue was uh, from NBC to CBS. Well, uh, Jack... They, CBS had Jack appear on many, many other shows, kind of advertising that he was coming, right? Um, the week before, you know, he, he appeared everywhere. Huge PR campaign. And they recorded two internal shows that were not released to the public. One is the one we're going to play for you tonight. And that show 
um, was basically a full Jack, full blown Jack Benny sh- episode, just to show I think everybody at CBS, yes, we can do this. We can take our whole show, bring it over. There's going to be no real differences. We're not going to lose anybody. It's all great. And so I think it was just kind of alleviate everybody at CBS to know that this was possible. Um, the second show that they did was a closed circuit show that was just kind of um, a morale boost to everyone at CBS saying, yeah, we got Jack Benny, we got Amos and Andy, we were, here's the great things we're doing, here's the plan for the future, all of that stuff. I'll be sharing that one next week with you. So what I decided to do tonight was I'm going to give you the very last uh, Jack Benny show that I'm going to present from NBC. This is NBC's final hurrah, Jack's very final episode for NBC. Following that will be a podcast I did five years ago for um, introducing uh, the second episode I'm going to play for you tonight, which will be, um, which of course is that CBS show that's never been aired uh, to the public, or wasn't supposed to be, and now you get a chance to listen to it. What's cool about that show, if you think about it, is since it was never aired to the public, you know, because any of these shows, when they were aired, they had millions and millions and millions of listeners. So we never have a chance to come anywhere near that on these shows, you know, by just the amount of us that listen to the podcast. But these shows that are unreleased, um, when I originally aired it, probably, whatever it was, five years ago, I probably had a quarter of the listeners I have now. Chances are it reached about a thousand people is my guess. 1,500 maybe. Uh, when I release it now, as we play it now, there are going to probably be about 5,000 folks that end up hearing it. That 5,000, that might be pretty close to the biggest audience this particular show has ever had. We might, on this podcast, have uh, more people listening to Jack and Mary and Dennis and Don and Phil and Rochester on this particular episode than I've ever heard it in a group before, which is pretty cool. So, because uh, I don't know how many people have heard it, and I don't know how many different podcasters have thrown it out there, I'm sure a number of them, but I know we have one of the most listened to podcasts out there, so um, it's kind of interesting to, to do that. We never usually can't approach ever what the original audience was for a show, but since there was no original audience, we can actually approach that. <laughs> um, anyway... I hope you enjoy both of these episodes, um, and then tune in next week for our official flip over next Tuesday of switching to CBS from NBC, and uh, we'll have the closed circuit broadcast first, and then we will have the actual first episode for CBS played. Um, enjoy tonight's episode. Sorry the podcast went so long, but it's a big change that I thought you guys should know about. Uh, after, of course, you listen to Jack's show, keep listening, and then you'll hear Jack's um, unheard uh, closed-circuit show that he recorded for uh, CBS executives. And we'll see you next time. 
the Jack Benny program, presented by Lucky Strike. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Your level best. That's how you'll feel when you light up a Lucky. Because Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense, puts you on the right level to feel and do your level best. It's important to you as a smoker to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And as you know, L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. No wonder more independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Lucky Strike regularly than the next two leading brands combined. It's good to know that fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense by putting you on the right level to feel and do your level best. That's the lucky level, so smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Yes, the next time you buy cigarettes, remember, Lucky's fine tobacco puts you on the right level, the lucky level, to feel your level best and do your level best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Get on the lucky level where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of Lucky's and get started today. <laughs> The Lucky Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, we bring you our master of ceremonies who today... Wait a minute, Don. Wait a minute. Just a minute. Today, I'd like to have the honor of introducing you. Me? Yes, Don. Now, give me the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me great pleasure to bring you the man who was selected by Fame magazine as America's outstanding radio announcer for 1948, and here he is, Don Wilson. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you very much, Jack. I really didn't expect you to introduce me like that. Well, why shouldn't I, Don? You deserve it. According to Fame magazine, the radio critics and columnists selected you because you have poise, warmth, perfect enunciation, and a voice with an ingratiating quality that not only invites confidence, but has great dignity. And they're right. Jack, you'll never know how much I appreciate your saying that on the air. Why? I have an uncle in Duluth who thinks I'm nothing but a big, fat slob. <laughs> Oh, well, Don, I don't care what your uncle thinks. I go by Fame magazine, and they chose you the number one announcer for 1948. And to show you my appreciation, I'm going to double your salary. Oh, Jack! No, no, Don, no, no, you deserve it. Next week, your check will be exactly double. Well, gosh, Jack, thanks. And I hope you make good use of the extra money, because the following week, you'll be back to your original salary. <laughs> What? You're only giving me a raise for one week? Certainly, you were chosen the best announcer for 1948. Now, the following week, we'll start the new year, and who knows who they'll choose in 49. <laughs> you know, when they take that poll next year, your uncle may be right. <laughs> Believe me. Oh, oh, that's very funny, Jack. It really is. No matter what situation arises, you always seem to think of something funny to say. What? 
got the award for the best announcer. <laughs> no, I, I really mean that, Jack. I really mean that, you know, and it, it's very funny. It really is. You, you always say funny things, and it's no wonder in the very same issue of Fame magazine, you were selected as the nation's number one comedian. I was? Yes. <laughs> really? Certainly, Jack. It was a wonderful article about you. It was right in the middle of the magazine on page, uh, page, uh... 29. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what it was. Oh, then you read it. Well, Don, I must confess that I just glanced through it, but do me a favor, will you? What is it, Jack? Although Fame Magazine was very kind in bestowing this honor upon me, I wish you wouldn't mention it. Why? Look, Don, every member of the cast will come in and start congratulating me and making such a big thing out of it. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be terribly embarrassed. Well, Jack, now I can understand why the article paid such a glowing tribute to your modesty. It did? Yes. On page, uh, page... Uh... 32. <laughs> it was right opposite the ad for Vigoro. <laughs> Anyway, Don, promise me you won't mention the article in front of the members of... Oh, oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Hello, Don. Hello, Mary. Mary, why are you so out of breath? Well, I rode down here on the bus and I got off at the wrong place. Uh-huh. Then I remembered we don't broadcast from there till next week and I had to run all the way back here. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. Mary, why did you come to the studio on a bus? Well, I was going to drive, Don, but I didn't want to use Jack's Christmas present so soon. His Christmas present? Mary, did Jack give you a car? No, a gallon of gas. <laughs> Mary, that wasn't gas in that can. That was a gallon of perfume. Well, thanks very much, Jack, and I wish you'd send me some more. Oh, did you like it? I think it's wonderful. I put some on my dress and three moths dropped dead. <laughs> good, good. Say, Mary, what'd you receive from home? Did you get a nice present from your sister, babe? Uh, no, Jack. Babe couldn't send me anything this year. She lost her job. Oh... Isn't she modeling anymore? Uh, no, that harness shop closed up. <laughs> oh. oh, well, that's a shame. Yeah, and I sent her a peekaboo blanket for Christmas. <laughs> Gee, it would have looked nice on her, too. Well, anyway, Mary, uh... Come in. Is Jack Benny here? Yes, yes, I'm Jack Benny. Well, where's the stuff? <laughs> stuff? What stuff? I'm from Beacon's Van and Storage Company I understand you're moving Well, not till next week I'll, I'll see you later Oh, no, you don't I'm gonna sit down and wait well, You don't have to wait Well, are you sure you're gonna move? Yes, yeah, what are you so worried about? Well, last November we had five trucks waiting in front of the White House And you know what happened to that job <laughs> Oh, yes, yes. We carried that piano in and out 19 times. <laughs> well, don't worry about this one. I'll carry my own violin. Goodbye. <laughs> oh, say, Jack, that was a pretty clever remark you just made about carrying your old violin. It was funny, wasn't it, Barry? Yeah. By the way, Jack, did you see that article in Fame magazine? Oh, forget it, Mary. <laughs> but, Jack, a person should be proud to have Fame magazine write such nice things about him. Mary, please, not in front of all these people. It's, it's embarrassing. 
Well, why shouldn't I talk about it? I think it was a wonderful tribute to Don. I know, Mary, but... <laughs> oh, oh, Don. Yes, they selected him as the number one announcer in radio. I know, I know. Mary, I hope you won't think I'm boasting, but I'm very proud of that article, especially where they commented on my resonant voice. Resonant voice, resonant voice. <laughs> what a ham. And, uh, Mary, there was another paragraph that said that my voice not only invites confidence, but has great dignity. That was on page, uh, page... Uh, what page was that, Jack? Who remembers pages? <laughs> now, let's stop this silly talk and get on with the show. Jack, what are you so mad about? Mary, I'm not mad. It just so happens... Oh, hello, Mr. Benny. Oh, hello, Dennis. It just so happens that Merry I... Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, kid. Uh, it just so happens that Happy I... Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> it just so happens Can I go that... home now? <laughs> Certainly. Mary, you just so... Dennis, come back here! You just arrived. Why do you want to go home? Well, my aunt is visiting us for the holidays. My mother wants me to entertain her. Oh, your aunt, eh? Your mother's sister? No. Oh, then she's your father's sister. No. But Dennis, she's your aunt. Whose sister is she? Her brother's. Well, for heaven's sake, who's her brother? Oh, I don't know. Since I got two shows, we picked up a lot of relatives. <laughs> I, I know what you mean, kid. Yeah, the house is full of them. I got an uncle in the back bedroom, and I can't understand him at all. Why? He says he's from Duluth, and he hates Don Wilson. <laughs> well, then, Dennis, shake hands with Don Wilson. You must be blood relatives. Then why has he got all the blood? I don't know! Dennis, I want to thank you for the Christmas gift you sent me. Oh, did you like it? Yes, but Dennis, there was only one silk stocking in the package. One of them must have got lost. Oh, no, I've got the other one at home. Wait a minute, Dennis. Only one silk stocking? Why didn't you give Mary both of them? Well, my mother said if you send too much to a girl, she'll think you're serious. <laughs> if sound effects didn't cost so much, I'd have a gunshot right here. <laughs> Go ahead, kid. Let's hear your song. Okay. Chasing 
sung by Dennis Day, and very good, Dennis. In fact, I don't think anybody could have sung it as well. Oh, yeah? <laughs> what do you mean, oh, yeah? Oh, don't try to flatter me. The other day, I saw you go into a music store and buy one of Frank Sinatra's records. So what? I've seen you walk into a store and buy records by Bing Crosby. Well, he has four kids to support. <laughs> oh, yes, four boys. What are their names again? Gary, Lindsay, Durston, and Osborne. <laughs> oh, stop, will you? Oh, Jack, that reminds me. Are you still going with Mr. Osborne's secretary, little old Daisy Dickinson? Yes, Mary. As a matter of fact, she's coming over to my house for dinner tonight. Really? When'd she make the reservation? <laughs> she didn't have to. I'm inviting her. She wants to leave a little something under the plate. That's up to her. <laughs> Anyway, I've invited her to dinner. Well, I hope you take that sign down in your dining room. The fourth cup of coffee free. I took that down right after the Thanksgiving rush. Anyway, Mary, I'm really serious with Daisy. You know, she's one of the sweetest girls I've... Oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. Hello, folks. Here's little old Harris on the day after Christmas, so cheer me from Alaska to the Panama. It's my... <laughs> How do you like an entrance like that? Phil, Phil. What? Phil, how in the world can you walk out on the stage like that and ask an audience to applaud you? Jackson, when you ain't got talent, you gotta have guts. <laughs> that I can believe. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hiya, Livy. Say, Liv, I don't want you to think I forgot you this Christmas. Well, Phil, I was a little bit hurt when I didn't even get a card from you. A card? <laughs> Listen, doll face. I got something special for you. Come here, baby. Come right over here. Come on up a little closer. Move right in. That's it. Now pucker up them lovely lips and hold on tight, babe. Come to me. Phil, wait a minute.
There you are, Livy. Wrap that as the gift, and it'll keep you warm till next year. <laughs> Phil, Phil, you are without a doubt the most egotistical man I ever met in my life. Mary, why did you let him kiss you? Mary. <laughs> Mary. She won't be able to talk for an hour or two. <laughs> Mary, say something. Hi, Mort. <laughs> now, Mary, stop. Stop going along with him. He's hammy enough. Now, let's oh, try... Oh, say, Jack, I want to talk to you about the commercial. The boys Hiya, have... Donzo. Well, hello, Phil. Hey, Don, I want to congratulate you on being picked the number one announcer on the air. Well, thank you, Phil. Now, I don't want to seem immodest or undignified, but the honor will certainly lend to my prestige. I have an uncle in the back room who thinks you're awful. <laughs> Dennis, quiet. And Phil, in this thing about uh, Don, if you're referring to that article in Fame magazine, you know there was something about me in it, too. I wouldn't know about that, Jackson. My kids must have skipped that part when they read it to me. <laughs> your kids read it to you? Phil, aren't you ashamed to let your children know you can't read? No, Jackson, they love it. They think I'm a character. <laughs> what? Whenever I do something, the little one nudges the big one and says, Get him. <laughs> Well, I got to say one thing, Phil. For a guy like you, you've got a wonderful family. Well, thanks, Jackson. Hey, by the way, I was just going to ask you if you wanted to go hunting with me. I'm going up in the High Sierras again. The High Sierras? Yeah. Oh, are you going to hunt? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. You're not going to catch me with that gag again. Go work it on somebody else. Say, Phil, what are you going to do this New Year's Eve? Well, me and Remley are going around frightening people, you know, like we did on Halloween. Frightening people? Yeah, what fun we had. We made up like ghosts and went to a nightclub where Maxie Rosenblum and Maxie Bear were doing their act. What's exciting about that? Well, here's what happened. See, Remley started off by going into Rosenblum's dressing room and began to haunt him. Oh, and did you haunt Bear? No, I had a sheet on. <laughs> You had to go a long way for that one, but it was worth the trip, kid. <laughs> well, so long, kid. Bye, Phil. So long, Phil. Uh, you know, I think that... Say, Jack, what are you staring at the door for? I was just thinking about Phil. Remember what a nice, normal fellow he was before they started hiding microfilm in his head? <laughs> oh, well. Say, uh, Jack, I want to talk to you about the commercial. The boys Just a minute, Don. Before we get started with the commercial, there's something I want to phone Rochester about. Well, can't it wait till later? No, Don, this is important. I'm having my new girlfriend, Daisy Dickinson, over for dinner tonight. And I want to see if Rochester has everything all set. It'll only take a minute to call him. Say, Maple, what is it, Gertrude? <laughs> Mr. Benny's line is flashing. Yeah, I wonder what portrait of Jenny wants now. <laughs> I'll plug in and see. Yes, Mr. Benny. I'll bring your house immediately. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got them. Thank you very much, and a Merry Christmas to you, too. Oh, yeah, they were just beautiful, and they fit me perfectly. Now I'll bring your house. Gertrude, what did Mr. Benny give you for Christmas? My two front teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Gee, I didn't even notice. Smile and let me see them. Oh, how lovely to go to Merry Christmas, Jack Benny. <laughs> Say, what did 
give you, Maple? Well, Mr. Benny knows how I've always wanted to see a Rose Bowl game. And he's taking you to the game? No, he gave me his place in the ticket line. <laughs> you know, he's awful thoughtful this time of the year and kind of cute, too. When he come in this afternoon, he tipped his hat to me and I just had to kiss him. I know, I kissed him, too. He's a shrewd one, all right. <laughs> Planting mistletoe in his toupee. <laughs> yeah, only he doesn't need mistletoe with me. I kind of go for him. Last night, he drove me up to the top of Mulholland Drive, and we parked there for hours. Why, Mabel Flapsaddle. <laughs> Please, Gertrude, you're breaking the mood. <laughs> Anyway, we drove up there early in the evening, and as we sat in his car, the city looked like a carpet of brilliant jewels as the millions and millions of lights went on. Oh, that must have been romantic. Romantic nothing. He just sat there wishing he owned the electric company. <laughs> That's funny. He's never like that with me. What do you mean? A few months ago, he took me out in his car, and my goodness, was he a nigger beaver. Did he try to kiss you? How do you think I lost my two front teeth? <laughs> you know, Gertrude, there was a time I thought that... Hello? Yeah, Mr. Benny, I tried to get your house, but the line is busy. Oh, well, I'll try again later. Thank you. Say, Jack, I've been trying to talk to you about the commercial. I think we'll have to do the commercial without the sportsman quartet. But why? Aren't they here? Well, yes, but that's what I've been trying to tell you. They have very bad colds. All four of them? What are they doing about it? They chipped in and bought a four-way cold tablet. <laughs> Don, you got the award for being an announcer, not a comedian. And anyway, whether they have colds or not, we need a commercial. I know, Jack, but how can they sing when they have colds? That's their problem. All I know is I have to have a commercial. Now, go ahead with it. Okay. Take it, boys! Happy days, Arch! Again with New Year's Eve, so Arch! Again we will all stand up, Arch! Gesundheit! Thank you, happy days for you and me! Lucky strikes are here to stay! In fact, they've never been away, so we'll celebrate us, 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 fellas, do you say, Thank goodness. with an L-S-M-F-T, too bad you've all got the flu, I can tell you just what to do. Get in bed and stay there. When we're low and things are rough, we'll light a lucky, take one puff. Then we'll feel much better, sure enough. Happy days are here again. Caught that cold from Guy Lombardo <laughs> Anyway, Don, it was all right Jack, you ought to be ashamed of yourself Making the boys sing when they had such bad colds They had to sing through their noses Fred Allen's been doing that for 20 years And he sounds awful 
Happy New Year, Dennis. <laughs> Don, you better tell well, me... Well, Portland, look who's coming down Main Street. Titus Moody. Dennis. Howdy, Bob. Dennis! <laughs> now, that's enough. Now, Don, you better tell the boys... Oh, for heaven's sake. Come in. Uh, remember me, Mr. Benny? Huh? Oh, yes, you're the lingerie clerk in that department store who sold me that nightgown for my sister last week. Yeah, the nightgown with the loops on the bottom. Yes. A nightgown with loops on the bottom? Yeah. When you go to bed, you put the loops over your toes so the nightgown won't creep up on you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, did you send it to my sister? No, that's why I'm here. We found out those nightgowns are dangerous. Dangerous? Yeah. My wife has one of those nighties with the loops. And last week, in the middle of the night, she started to get out of bed and almost broke her neck. How? I mean, what happened? She had her loops over my toe. <laughs> oh, well, I'll come down to the store and get something else for my sister. Okay. Ask for me, Ronald J. Coleman. Ronald J. Coleman? I threw in the J so people won't confuse us. <laughs> well, I'll see you later. Goodbye. Goodbye. You know, Mary... You know, Mary, I can't understand why they put a fellow like him in the lingerie department. Well, Jack, maybe deep down inside he's very sensitive. How can he be sensitive? He came in here with a gopher sticking out of his collar. <laughs> Anyway, I'll have... I'll get it. Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny. This is Rochester. Oh, hello, Rochester. I was trying to get you before. Is everything ready for dinner tonight? Don't worry, boss. Everything will be fine. Just fine. Good, good. I really want to impress Miss Dickinson. Now, what'd you do about the champagne? Same as always. I slapped a mum's label on a bottle of ginger ale and put it on ice. <laughs> What? And when you open it, I'll be hiding behind the screen with my pop gun. Look. Let's synchronize our watches now. Okay, I've got 528 and a half. Roger! Good. Now, Rochester, I hope you remember the instructions I gave you about tonight. Yes, sir. After I finish serving you and Miss Dickinson, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to turn all the lights down low. Uh-huh. Put soft music on the phonograph and spray the room with Chanel number five. Uh-huh. Then quietly leave the room and let your blue eyes take it over from there. That's right. Then when I'm outside, I'm supposed to turn the garden hose on the windows so you can say, look, honey, it's raining. You can't go home yet. Yeah, but watch it tonight. The last time, the window was open. <laughs> the girl hadn't been Esther Williams, she would have drowned. Now, Rochester, fix everything up nice, and I'll be home in a few minutes. Okay. Uh, uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Oh, say, boss. Now what? I forgot to tell you. Uh, there was quite a bit of excitement today. An airplane flew over Hollywood and started skywriting. Skywriting? What did it say? Next week, Jack Benny's program moves to... Moves to where? Moves to where? I don't know. NBC's anti-aircraft. Shot him down. <laughs> Oh. Well, 
find out later. Goodbye, Rochester. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we'll be with you again at the same time with the same cast on another network. However, I want to take this opportunity of thanking everyone connected with NBC for a very pleasant association. And I also want to wish everybody a very happy New Year. Jack will be back in just a minute, but first... Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. You see, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. Put you on the right level to feel and do your level best. It's good to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And that's why it's so important that you select and smoke the cigarette of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. For as every smoker knows, LSMFT, LSMFT, Lucky Strike means fine tobacco, mild, ripe, light tobacco. No wonder Lucky Strike is the overwhelming favorite of tobacco experts. For more independent auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Luckies regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So, smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the right level, the Lucky level, where there's real joy in living, where it's fun to be alive. The Lucky level, where you feel your best and do your best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the Lucky level, where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of Luckies and get started today. Good night, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, listen in again next Sunday to the Jack Benny program, which will be heard on another network at the same time. This is NBC, the national broadcast. Hello again. This is Buck Benning speaking. Uh, today, I have a... Um, special show for us. This is uh, Jack Benny's uh, first show for CBS. It was un- it wasn't broadcast on CBS. I mean, it was a unbro- it's called the unbroadcast CBS special. So I think it was just sort of him recording this episode to show people at CBS, yes, I can continue with the same show that I've always done at NBC over on your station. And so this is sort of like the audition show or the pilot episode, I suppose. Um, Like I say, it wasn't broadcast at the time. I mean, certainly he was still on NBC at the time. So we're going to have this show today. Tomorrow, uh, I'll be explaining more about the process of why he moved from NBC to CBS with a closed-circuit show that was broadcast, but only to the... um, uh, only to the f- the folks at CBS. It was meant for the broadcasters, but you'll get a chance to hear some of the inside things that were going on, uh, and that'll be tomorrow. And then on Sunday uh, will be our traditional, of course, Sunday nights at 7 with Jack Benny, but it, it will be his last show for NBC. And then next Sunday will be his first show for CBS. Um... And like I say, tomorrow I'll go into the specifics of why he's moving from uh, NBC to CBS. And uh, it's a really interesting time for Jack Benny. Um, so I, th- I couldn't uh, let these go without some sort of uh, broadcast from me. Um, I haven't done a podcast in a little while because it's been snowy and it's been Christmas time and my wife had some surgery and stuff, so just haven't had a chance. 
so I hope you enjoy these episodes um, they're very interesting uh, Jack Benny episodes a big major change for him uh, it still amazes me that uh, that one network was able to take one of the highest rated shows on television I mean on radio and bring it over to the, to the other network it'd be kind of like today if somehow NBC was able to take CSI from uh, from CBS and bring it over to them I guess the only reason they really could is because it wasn't a format show it was the Jack Benny show it was about him so he own the intellectual property, I suppose, and so he could bring it with him. Anyway, more on that tomorrow. I uh, hope you had a great uh, Christmas day. I had a great Christmas season. This has been fun airing these episodes. I hope you've had a great time listening to them. We'll see you again next time. <laughs> the Jack Benny Program, presented by Lucky Strike. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Your level best. That's how you'll feel when you light up a Lucky. Because Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's important to you as a smoker to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And every smoker knows... L-S-M-F-T. L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. Mild, ripe, light tobacco. Remember, more independent tobacco experts, auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen smoke Lucky Strike regularly and the next two leading brands combined. It's good to know that fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense, by putting you on the right level to feel and do your level best. That's the lucky level. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. Get on the lucky level where it's fun to be alive. Get a carton of luckies and get started today. <laughs> Strike program starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Dennis Day, and yours truly, Don Wilson. Tis the night before Christmas, and at Jack Benny's house, there are presents for all, even cheese for the mouse. Jack is up on a chair, then he's down on his knee. You have to do that when you're trimming a tree. Well, we're all through, Mary. Gee, it was nice of you to come over and help me trim the tree. Well, if I didn't, you'd never get it done. Say, Jack, shall I put the snow around the bottom now? Not yet. I want to see if the lights are working. Look, I'll hold up the bulbs, and when I say ready, you plug it in. Okay. Ready? Ready. Pull it out! Pull it out! Pull it out! <laughs> my, my goodness. Oh, Jack, why'd you make me shut it off? Those lights were so pretty. Especially those two blue ones that kept flashing on and off. Those were my eyes. And I must have been holding on to a bare wire. Well, it's your own fault. Every time you fool around with electricity, something goes wrong. It does not. I know plenty about electricity. Oh, sure. Remember what happened last month when you fixed your doorbell? 
What happened? I pushed the button and it set fire to Mount Baldy. <laughs> oh, stop exaggerating. Anyway, hand me that roll of tape. I'll fix this bare wire right now. Here you are. Thanks. Comes to electricity, I know what I'm doing. See, when you see a bare wire, you just tape it up like, hmm, like this. And in that way, it's insulated against outside elements. There. That'll be enough tape. All right, Mary, plug it in. Okay. Pull it out! Pull it out! Pull it out! heaven's sake. What happened, Jack? I taped my finger to the wire. <laughs> That's what happened. Oh, gee. And that time was even prettier than before. What do you mean? Your nose lit up, too. <laughs> It did not. Let's get this tree finished before the gang gets here. Uh, but, Jack, what about the light? We'll have to let that go until later. Now, hand me one of those... Oh, Mr. Bailey! What is it, Rochester? I baked that cake like you told me to. Good. Did you have enough whipped cream to spell out Merry Christmas on top? Yeah. Say, boss, how many R's in Merry? Two. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, then you, you better add one. Add one? I better cross one out. I got three. <laughs> Well, leave it. It's better than ruining the cake. Okay. Oh, Rochester, will you please take these Christmas tree lights and fix them? Fix them? Yes. I ain't fooling around with electricity. Well, what are you afraid of? I don't want to get hit by nothing I can't hit back. <laughs> oh, Rochester, imagine being afraid of electricity. Suppose Robert Fulton was afraid. He never would have invented the electric light, would he? Uh, Jack, you're thinking of Thomas Edison. Edison? Well, then, what did Robert Fulton do? He invented the slow boat to China. <laughs> oh, yes. Now, Rochester, please fix these lights, will you? Okay, okay. Let me see now. In electricity, there's the electrons and the electrodes. Then there's the positive and the negative. But I ain't positive which one is negative. <laughs> hmm. Then there's the atoms. Now, the atoms are supposed to go from the positive to the negative... Or maybe they go from the electrons to the electrodes. Then again, maybe they go from NBC to CBS. <laughs> Rochester. Now, as long as these atoms keep passing each other, everything is all right. But when they meet halfway and start fighting, they're going to turn on anybody who tries to butt in. Rochester, I'm not interested in the scientific details. I just want you to fix those lights. And I promise you, while you're holding the wires, no one in this room will turn on the switch. I know, boss. While I'm holding the wire, you ain't gonna turn on the switch. And Miss Livingston ain't gonna turn on the switch. Well, of course not. But way up there in Boulder Dam, there's a little man sitting in a room with thousands of wires all around him. So what? How do I know he ain't gonna turn on the... <laughs> You can read that one again. This is a preview. Go ahead. How do I know he ain't gonna do something just to break the monotony? <laughs> All right. I'll fix it myself. Come on, Mary, help me. <laughs> 
Well, Mary, we've got all the packages under the tree. Looks nice, doesn't it? Oh, it sure does. Jack, if you're not going to use the Christmas tree lights, let's put on the candy canes. Okay, here's the box, and you can... Hey, wait a minute. I had 12 candy canes, now there are only 11. Where's the other one? Well, don't look at me. I'm not looking at you, I'm asking you. All right, I ate it. Here's 10 cents. (laughs) Marty, I bet you'd be surprised if I took it. I wouldn't be surprised if you sued me. Mary, let's get this finished, will uh, you? Jack, you better pick those lights up off the floor before somebody steps on them. Oh, yes. Now, where can I put them? I'll put these lights on the chair right here. And, Mary, here's Phil Harris's present. I forgot that. Slipping under the tree. Boy, will he be surprised. But, Jack, how will he be surprised? You've got toilet water written all over the box. Well, you got to do that with Phil. When he opens a package and finds a bottle, he never stops to read the label. <laughs> Last year, I gave him a miniature ship and a bottle, and the mask stuck out of his mouth for three days. <laughs> Every time I asked him something, he had to answer me through the crow's nest. <laughs> Believe me, I, I know what I'm doing. Well, Jack, I guess that does it. The tree is all finished. Yeah. Gee, it looks swell. I'm kind of tired. I think I'll sit down for a minute and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> Mary, have you got a match? No. Oh, well. Oh, say, boss! What is it, Rochester? Are your socks dry yet? I think so. Well, people will be here soon. You better take them off the tree. Oh, that's right. (laughs) You take them off, will you, Rochester? I'm tired. I want to sit here a while. Yes, sir. Say, this tree looks awful nice, but it's kind of dark. Oh, no wonder the lights aren't plugged in. I'll fix that. Pull it out! Pull it out! Pull it out! Heaven's sake. Uh, what's the matter, Jack? I was sitting on the wire. <laughs> as, long as, you're, as long as you're here, Rochester, give me a match. You don't eat it now. Your cigarette is lit. <laughs> oh, yes. Thanks, Rochester. Don't thank me. Thank that little man up at Boulder Dam. <laughs> Rochester. It's the first time I ever saw LSMFT lit up by AC and DC. Yeah. That's very funny. I wonder how that guy at Boulder Dam knew I was... Oh, well. Come in. Oh, hello, Phil. Hiya, Jackson. Merry Christmas, everybody. Same to you, Phil. Hey, Jackson, that Christmas tree looks terrific. Yeah, it is a nice tree, isn't it? Yeah, not only that, it's grown about two feet since last year. (laughs) This uh, this isn't the same one. You know, Phil, I believe in the old-fashioned way of getting a tree. You know, when you get up early in the morning and you bundle yourself up warm and throw an axe over your shoulder and go out in the woods, you know, out in the wilderness and chop down your own Christmas tree. Say, you're right, Jackson. Where'd you find this one? In the lobby of the Beverly Wilshire Hotel. (laughs) You said a timber. (laughs) Yes, sir. Hey, Jackson, you ought to see the tree I got in my house. I got it all decorated right on the top. I got a reindeer. Oh, a picture of a reindeer? No, a live one. I spend my money. How could you get a live reindeer up on top of a tree? Well, it was easy, Jackson. I just gave him a little eggnog and he got high. (laughs) Oh, you humorous old filthy. You're the Mark Train of your generation. (laughs) Mark Train? Phil, that's Twain. Twain. Wheelie? (laughs) 
after a gag like that, you're lucky, lucky Santa doesn't scratch you with his claws. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, say, that was, you know, that was pretty good, too. Don't bother sending us Cracker Jack, Mother. We're now getting corn by the ton. <laughs> oh, I don't know, Mary. I thought it was pretty cute. Hey, Phil, what do you got in that package there? Oh, I almost forgot, Jackson. It's, uh, it's a Christmas present for you. For me? Yeah. Me and the boys in the band all chipped in and got it for you. Well, thanks. Thanks, Phil. I'll put it under the tree. No, 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 no. You don't. Open it up right now. Okay. Gee, it was certainly nice of you and the boys to think of me. I really didn't... Oh, Phil, thanks. Gee, a, a beautiful turtleneck sweater. Gee. Yeah. Look inside of it, Jackson. Inside? Yeah. Oh, Phil. Uh, what is it, Jack? A turtle. <laughs> present to give me. I'll fix him. Come here, Phil. Sit down on my chair. Well, thanks, Jackson. Are you, uh, are you comfortable, Phil? Sure. Good, good. Mary, push him the plug. Oh, Jack, you wouldn't dare. Hand me the plug. I'll give it to myself. <laughs> hey, Jackson, what about my present? Just sit where you are. You'll get it. You'll get it. It's a surprise. Mary, watch him jump. One, two, three. There. <laughs> Phil Phil Don't you feel anything? No, why? Hmm well, What about the surprise? What's the matter? Uh, we're having a little trouble at Boulder Dam <laughs> Mary, I can't understand what went wrong Phil, stand up a minute, will you? Okay well, Let's see there must be something wrong with this thing here that I can't... Pull it out! Pull it out! Pull it out! <laughs> a fine thing to do to a guy on Christmas Eve. Of course, I won't be able to talk at all on July 2nd. Then I... Well, it's your own fault for trying to play a trick on Phil. Ah, so that's it, eh, Jackson? Trying to give me a hot seat. Oh, it was nothing, Phil. I was just trying to have a little fun. Pull it out! Pull it! Jack, that's a doorbell. Oh, oh. Come in. Hello, Mr. Vinny. Oh, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mary. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Phil. Hiya, kid. Hello, Phil. Hiya, kid. Hey, what's the idea of you guys greeting each other twice? We've each got two shows. <laughs> Well, Dennis, I'm glad you got here, but I thought you were going to bring your mother with you. Oh, she couldn't come today on account of the flu. The flu? Yes, yeah, she's cleaning out the chimney. <laughs> what? Well, that's about all I can take. I'm going to the bar and start warming up for New Year's Eve. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, I don't know what you're talking about. If your mother has to go around wiping out chimneys, why doesn't your father help her? What do you think she's wiping them with? <laughs> Look, uh, look. Uh, excuse me, Jack. I'm going in and mix them for Phil. I don't blame you. Now, look, Dennis. As long as you're here, let's have the song you're going to sing on the program, will you? What's it going to be? I'm going to sing Buttons and Bagels. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> east is east and west is west And the wrong one I have chose Let's go where you keep on wearing those Flowers and buttons and bows, rings and things and buttons and bows. 
don't bury me in this prairie Take me where the cement grows Let's move down to some big town Where they'll love a gal by the cut of her clothes You'll stand out in buttons and bows I love you in buckskin Or skirts that you've homespun But I love you longer, stronger Where your friends don't hold a gun My bones denounce The buckboard bounce And the cactus hurts my toes Let's vamoose Well, gal, keep using those silks and satins and linen that show You're all mine in buttons and bows A western ranch is just a branch of nowhere junction to me Give me the city where living's pretty And the gals wear finery My bones denounce the buckboard bounce and the cactus Hurts my toes. Let vamoose where gals keep using those silks and satins and linen that show. You're all mine in buttons and bows. Gimme eastern trimming where women are women in high silk holes and peekaboo clothes. French perfume that rocks the room. And you're all mine in buttons and bones. Dennis, that was a beautiful song, and I'm sorry your mother wasn't here so she could hear it. By the way, I have a lovely gift for her for Christmas. Oh, what is it? Don't tell her, but I'm sending her a pair of alligator shoes. Alligator shoes? That's awful. What's awful about it? Some poor alligators running around barefoot. (laughs) Oh, for heaven's sake. Now, kid... In the winter, too. Then it's quiet. Now, look, now, let's go in the other room Well, say, Mr. Benny. What? You see this tie I'm wearing? My girl knitted it for me for Christmas. The tie? What are those things hanging on the side? She started to make a sweater and changed her mind. Well, it looks nice, Dennis, and that's a pretty stick pin you have in it. Oh, that's one of the needles. She forgot to take it out. (laughs) Oh, well, it's a beautiful gift, Dennis. It really is. Come in! Oh, hello, Don. Hello, Jack. Hello, Don. Well, hello, Dennis. Hiya, Don. Hiya, Dennis. Wait a minute. (laughs) Don hasn't got two shows. I know, but look at how fat he is. (laughs) Well, you... You know, you have a point there. That's a knitting needle. Now cut that off! <laughs> oh, by the way, Don. Uh, Don, did you like the uh, little Christmas present I sent you? Oh, yes, Jack. It's beautiful. It's the nicest wallet I ever received. Well, I'm glad you like it. But there's only one thing wrong, Jack. What? It's a shame to use such a beautiful wallet to hold such a lousy salary check. <laughs> Yeah, you're right, Don. I should have gotten you a cheaper wallet. (laughs) Oh, say, Don. Don, what about the commercial? Is the quartet here? Oh, yes, Jack. They're right outside. Come on in, boys. Ah, hello, fellas. Gee, I'm glad they're here with you, Don. Now we can try out the New Year's commercial. Well, Jack, I wish you wouldn't ask them to sing tonight. They all have very bad colds. All four of them have a cold? 
The four? The four fellows have a cold, all four of them. Well, what are they, uh, what are they doing for it? They chipped in and bought a four-way cold tablet. <laughs> well, let's try the commercial anyway. At least I'll get an idea of it, you know. Okay, but with their colds, Jack, I don't know how it'll sound. Oh, what's the difference? Let's try it. Okay, take it, boys. cold from Guy Lombardo. Well, <clears throat> thanks, Don. That'll be a swell commercial. That's really well. Uh, well, it's been a very nice Christmas Eve. Everybody had a good time. They've all gone home. I'm ready for bed, too. You know, boss, your quartet sure has a bad cold. I know. I don't, I don't want to catch one either. Rochester, I'm ready for bed. You want me to get you an extra quilt? No, no, no. I'll use my new electric blanket. Of course, you know what's coming. That's the hell of it. You know what I mean? Ah, this bed feels good. It's a little chilly, though, Rochester. Plug in the blanket. Yes, sir. Pull it out! I wonder if that guy in Boulder Dam is related to Fred Allen. <laughs> oh, well, I'm going to sleep. Good night, Rochester. Good night! Jack will be back in just a moment, but first, smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. You see, Lucky's fine tobacco picks you up when you're low, calms you down when you're tense. It's good to know that fine tobacco can do this for you. And that's why it's so important that you select and smoke the cigarette of fine tobacco, Lucky Strike. And as every smoker knows... L-S-M-F-T, L-S-M-F-T. Lucky Strike means fine tobacco. No wonder Lucky Strike is the overwhelming favorite of tobacco experts. For more independent auctioneers, buyers, and warehousemen, smoke Luckies regularly than the next two leading brands combined. So... Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. Get on the right level, the lucky level, where there's real joy in living, where it's fun to be alive. The lucky level where you feel your best and do your best. Smoke a lucky to feel your level best. 
Smoke a Lucky to feel your level best. And remember, here's a gift every smoker on your Christmas list is sure to appreciate. A carton of Lucky Strike cigarettes in beautiful holiday wrapping. And for that special someone, get Lucky Strike 500s, the handsome gift box of 25 packages of Lucky Strike cigarettes. Thank you very, very much, ladies and gentlemen, and a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to you all. This is CBS for Columbia Broadcasting System. Good health to all from Rexall. Yes, it's Sunday. Time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and your Rexall family druggist. Good evening. This is your Rexall family druggist taking a little time from behind the prescription counter this Sunday evening to speak for all 10,000 of us. The 10,000 independent druggists who have added the word Rexall to our own store names. You can always tell us by the orange and blue Rexall sign in our windows. The sign means that we carry the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company. They range all the way from aspirin to penicillin, and they're as fine and pure and dependable as science can make them. We independent druggists recommend them to our customers because we know you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Good health to all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Walter Sharp and his music, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. It's the day after Christmas, and the Harris family is gathered in the living room. Alice is watching the children play with their toys. William is checking over the gifts. And a puzzled Phil is examining the fireplace. I still don't understand it. Frankie and the kids said they saw him standing right here. I didn't see him, and yet I... Hey, kids! Are you sure you saw Santa Claus standing here? Of course we did, Daddy. He was standing right where you are when he ate the cookies and drank the glass of milk Uncle Frankie left on the mantel. Yeah. Yeah, the cookies and milk were gone. Hey, Alice, did he ever return the glass? <laughs> oh, Phil, stop trying to figure it out. You know, honey, I've been looking at all the toys the girls got. Why don't we pack some of them up and send them to children who didn't get as much? Hey, Alice, that's a swell idea. Hey, kids. Yes, Daddy? Look, you girls got so many toys, we think you ought to take half of them and give them to other children. It'd make them very happy. Gee, Daddy, giving our toys to other kids is a wonderful idea, and it would make them very happy, except for one thing. What? We ain't gonna do it. <laughs> Now, you stop talking like Uncle Frankie. <laughs> we ain't gonna do it. What do you mean we ain't gonna do it? Well, gee whiz, Daddy. We don't mind giving them away. But can't we play with them a little while? We just got them. Well, that's not the right attitude. 
You got to learn to share things. Now, you girls run along while we pack some of them. Phil, maybe we ought to wait a little while. No, we got to teach them to be generous. Toys aren't that important. Let's start packing them. A kid has to learn to share every... Alice, don't touch my electric trains! <laughs> Phil, I was just packing them for some underprivileged father who didn't get a set for Christmas. We weren't talking about giving father's toys away. <laughs> just the kids. We got to teach them that the true spirit of Christmas is to share and that it's better to give than to receive. Don't you agree, Willie? Willie... Hmm? What are you figuring up there? Well, as your business manager, I'm taking inventory of your Christmas presents. Philip, you manage very badly. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you spent $342.73 on presents outgoing, and on presents incoming, you only received gifts valued at $325.22. In short, Yuletide has left you $17.51 in the red. <laughs> Well, heavens to Betsy, I'm ruined <laughs> Don't stand there, Willie File me a petition in bankruptcy Get going, holla help, do oh, something Willie, Willie, there's a limit to being a bookkeeper But does everything always have to balance? Well, I just happen to be a firm believer in equitable exchange Yeah, yeah, you always have to get your money's worth When Phyllis was born, you wanted us to have her appraised Before we paid the doctor bill Exaggerating, <laughs> Philip I'm proud of the fact that I'm a practical man. But look, Willie, what I'm trying to tell you is you can overdo it. Like the presents you gave the kids for Christmas. And what's wrong with a porcelain umbrella stand? <laughs> I think it's an excellent gift for a child. Oh, yes, no kid should be without a porcelain umbrella stand. That's a must. You and your gifts. Hey, Willie, by the way, what did you give that girl you're going with now? I mean, you know, that dame that works with you at the bookkeeping department at Rexall. I gave her a beautiful gift. A genuine green celluloid eye shade with cuffs to match. <laughs> oh, that lucky girl. That's as close to getting to heaven as anything I know. Yeah. She gave me a very nice gift, too. And Rexall was quite generous with me, too. They gave me a large bottle of Russian leather. That's a man's cologne, you know. I have some on now. <laughs> How do I smell, Philip? Like a leathery Russian. <laughs> it's a wonderful odor. Very masculine. Wait a minute. How come Willie got a present from Rexall and I didn't? Everybody on the show got something from Mr. Scott but me. I'm sorry I went to the expense of sending him a present. I should have spent that extra money on Frankie. Well, I think you should have spent more money on Frankie. You didn't get him a very nice gift. Well, know. it was something he could use. Uh, what, what was it, Philip? Well, well, he's always admired my wavy hair. <laughs> so I sent him a bottle of my special blended wave set. <laughs> you ought to be ashamed of yourself, Phil. Sending your best friend a $2 gift. Well, Frankie don't care about the cost. He's... Uh-oh. Coming! Frankie's grateful for anything I give him. He doesn't care how little I spend as long as I remember him. Oh, hiya, Frankie. You cheapskate. <laughs> Frankie, what's the matter with you? A $2 Christmas present. Frankie, Frankie. 
shame on you. <laughs> That's not the Christmas spirit. The important thing is that I gave you something. It's not the value of a gift. It's the thought behind it. It's just as easy to have an expensive thought as a cheap one. <laughs> That wave set ain't cheap I get it for two dollars a bottle Only because I buy it in bulk <laughs> Two tank cars at a time <laughs> Not only that, it has a wonderful odor Did you smell the stuff? Yeah Well, how'd you like it? If I didn't have a strong heart The pull motor squad never would have revived me <laughs> Don't be so funny I'll have you know that my hair preparation is made of some of the finest ingredients that money can buy. It contains imported lanolin with an Arabian coal tar base, the purest Italian olive oil, all of which is skillfully blended into an aromatic pomade. Well, la-di-da! <laughs> Look, Remley, if you don't like the stuff, get rid of it. Pour it down the drain. I did. All right. <laughs> Just forget about it Had to call a plumber To get the wave out of the pipes <laughs> Look, Remley, forget it My block has the only Zigzag sewer in town <laughs> I'm glad I got some Decent presents from other people I got a swell gift From my girlfriend Nice present from Mr. Scott of Rexall And a beautiful So you got nice presents from Rexall? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got something from Rexall, too? Well, yeah. They sent me a magnum of Russian leather. <laughs> I tried some. You know, it's wonderful stuff. Oh, you like it, huh? Much better than vodka. <laughs> Frankie, you drank it? What do you expect me to do with it? Well, some people rub it on themselves. What a sneaky way to take a drink. <laughs> Look, let's start all over again. Do you mind? What I'm trying to say is I can't understand why Rexall sent you a present. Well, why not? They realize how important I am to their program. More important you are, the bigger the present. What'd you get, Curly? <laughs> Nothing. I figured... <laughs> Phil, Phil, I just thought of something and I want... Oh, hello, Frank. Hi, Alice Hey, honey Hey, Frankie got a present from Rexall, too Look, are you sure that, that they didn't send us anything? Well, look, that's what I started to say You see, they sent the children's toys And I vaguely remember there was another box with it I hid the girls' toys and I must have put the other box someplace, too Well, then don't stand there Let's start looking for it Alice, you look in the closets downstairs And Frankie and I will look upstairs <laughs> <laughs> now you see, Waldo, I got a present from Rexall, too All right, so you got a present from them, too Probably something they were overstocked in <laughs> All right, all right, don't be jealous, Remley Be nice to your fellow man Because if you don't, when you get up to them pearly gates, there's going to be a reckoning I hear them angels calling loud Keep in the middle of the road They're awaiting there in the great big crowd Keep in the middle of the road 
I see them standing round the big white gate. We must travel along before we get too late. For it ain't no use for to sit down and wait. Keep in the middle of the road. Then chillin', keep in the middle of the road. Then chillin', keep in the middle of the road. Don't look to the right, don't look to the left, but keep in the middle of the road. Look at that guy coming down the road. Yeah, man, he's sure in a hurry. Hi, bud, what's all the rush? Why for are you in such a hurry? I ain't got no time for to stop and talk, cause the road I'm rough and it's hard to walk. And I ain't returning to my abode, cause the course is tough in the middle of the road. Why not try the sidewalk? I ain't deviating, son, cause I'm on the beam. Chillin', keep in the middle of the road. Then chillin', keep in the middle of the road. Don't look to the right, don't look to the left, but keep in the middle of the road. This world is full of sinful things. Keep in the middle of the road. When the feet gets tired, put on the wing. Keep in the middle of the road. Then if you lay down on the road to die, and you watch them angels in the sky, you can put on wings and get up and fly. Keep in the middle of the road. Then chillin', keep in the middle of the road. Yes, chillin', keep in the middle of the road. Don't look to the right, don't look to the left, but keep in the middle of the road. I fix my eye on the golden stair and I keep on going till I gets there Cause my head I'm bound to crown the way if I keeps in the middle of the road Every crown's a 14 carat Man, it glitters when you wear it Let's get going, this ain't no ride Well, fall in line and match my stride Chillin', keep in the middle of the road Yes, chillin', keep in the middle of the road Don't look to the right, don't look to the left But keep in the middle of the middle of the middle of the road Don't flip like a sparrow, fly straight as an arrow And keep in the middle of the road There, it's all packed, Alice. Gee, Phyllis, I'm glad we're giving one of our toys away to somebody else. Doesn't it make you feel good? No. But Mommy and Daddy want us to do it. It won't hurt to make the old folks happy. <laughs> hey, maybe we should give more than one toy away. Maybe we should Hold give it! Let's not go overboard, Myrtle. <laughs> We're making enough of a sacrifice just giving this gift away. Yeah, it breaks my little heart to part with this porcelain umbrella stand. <laughs> Where does Uncle Willie dig up these corny presents? <laughs> the package looks nice with this blue ribbon on it. I'll just stand on this chair and put it up in Mommy's closet. Yeah, now come on. Let's go outside and play with our toys before Daddy breaks them all. Well, we got to keep looking, that's all. I didn't find no package in the hall closet. Did you find anything in the guest room, Remley? No, there's nothing in there except an old couple. <laughs> A couple? Mm. Oh, 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 that. That's just two dummies. We put them in the bed to discourage mooching relatives. They'd <laughs> <laughs> be scared there for a minute, old couple. <laughs> scared me, too. <laughs> sure. Well, we looked all over the house and no package from Rexall. Yes, they just didn't send you anything. Frankie, how can you be so petty and apprehensible? Hey, wait a minute I haven't looked in Alice's closet yet Come on Well, look, if Alice put it away That'd be the most likely place Oh, man, I hope it's in here There it is I knew they wouldn't forget me <laughs> Look up there, Remy Look at it And all tied up in a pretty blue ribbon 
My present came in a much bigger box. Come on. <laughs> now, come on, help me. I'll hand it down to you. Okay. If his present costs more than mine, I'll kill myself. <laughs> Here you are, Frankie. Come on, come on. Now, handle it carefully. It might be breakable. Please, Curly, I know how to handle a package. Just give it to me. All right, I got it. Let go. I... Whoops! Oh, Remley, you dropped it. Well, butterfingered old me. <laughs> Listen to me, Frankie. You did that on purpose. Curly, your unwarranted accusation cuts me to the quick. Yeah. Oh, Remley. Now I'll have to go through life with a cut quick. <laughs> I wonder what's in here. Well, whatever it is, you smashed it to pieces. When Alice finds out about this, you're going to be in fellas, for... Fellas, fellas, what happened? I heard a... Cr- oh... Phil, you found the present. Oh, uh, well, uh, Oh, I'm so anxious to see what it is. Don't stand there, Phil. Open oh, it. Oh, no, we can't do that, honey. Well, why not? Well, it says don't open until Christmas. We have 364 days to wait. <laughs> Give me that box. I'll open but, it. But, honey... I can't wait to see what's in it. Oh, I'm so excited. Oh, just what we need, a tissue paper. <laughs> Gift. You go down and write him a thank you letter, honey, and I'll... Ca- oh, stop it. I haven't gotten to the present yet. I'll just reach in and get... Ouch! Ooh, there's something sharp in there. Oh, you better let me take it out for you. I'll just turn the box over and dump... There's your present from Rexall, Alice. (laughs) This? What is it? Well, honey, it's what we've always wanted, a genuine Dresden jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) A jigsaw puzzle? That's what it is now. I wonder what it was before you dropped it, Curly. I didn't drop it. You did. Oh, so that's what the crash was. Oh, Frankie, how can you be so stupid? Hereditary. Born that way I was not Took years of study and self-denial Oh, you two dead-end kids cause more trouble Mr. Scott sends us a present And you two go and break it before we even know what it is What are you getting excited about? It's probably something very cheap No, no, Mr. Scott wouldn't send us anything cheap Must have been an expensive vase or figurine Or maybe even a Chinese urn Hey, Curly, what's a Chinese urn? Beg pardon? <laughs> I said, what's a Chinese urn? Well, uh, that depends on how long he works. <laughs> hey, wait till I tell that one to Jackson, he'll move back to NBC. <laughs> He'll love it Yeah How'd you like it, Alice? Thank you, pick and pat (laughs) Now look, stop trying to get out of this, Phil We're in trouble I invited the Scots to dinner Wednesday night They'll expect to see their gifts, you know Now be calm, Alice It's a very simple solution All you gotta do is replace it Just go out and buy another one Another what? We don't even know what it is Tell them you want something that when you break it, it looks like a Dresden jigsaw puzzle. (laughs) Hey, Curly, what would you do without my brain? The same thing you're doing without it. Act like a moron. (laughs) Oh, 
always get me into trouble. Always have to listen to you. Always in trouble. A few weeks ago, I had a steer cut up and you hooked me $120 for a frozen food locker when I could go anywhere in America and rent one for $20 a year or less. In fact, I could have that steer killed, processed, and stored in most locker plants for less than eight cents per pound. What brought that on? What made you say that? <laughs> what? What made you say that? The National Frozen Food Locker Association. Well, never mind that. We have to find out what Mr. Scott sent us so we can replace it. Yeah, but how are we going to find out? Clyde Scott's the only one who knows what he sent. Hey. Huh? I know. What? I'll call him and, and, and thank him for his gift, and then I'll keep fishing around until I found out what he sent us. All right, Phil, but be subtle. Don't let him know that we don't know what he sent us. Now leave it on me. Lawrence, are you sure Phil Harris didn't call? I'm positive, Clyde. That ingrate. I send him an expensive Christmas present and he doesn't have the decency to call and thank me. I knew we should have hired Ozzie and Harriet for our program. <laughs> well, he probably just didn't get around to calling yet. Besides, dear, you didn't call to thank him for the present he sent you. I should thank him for that? Fine present. A picture of himself. <laughs> of all the egotistical, conceited, self-centered... Now, 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 control yourself, Clyde. <laughs> I think his picture's rather cute. He's very attractive with his broad smile and gleaming white teeth. Attractive. It looks like sunrise over a picket fence. <laughs> if you like his picture so much, why did you take it off the piano? I had to. The waves in his hair were making me seasick. <laughs> well, his face wasn't doing me any good either. <laughs> Maybe they didn't like the gifts you sent them. Well, how could they help liking them? I sent Mrs. Harris a dozen pairs of the sheerest nylons, and I bought him an expensive shaving kit in a pigskin case. It's the most beautiful shaving kit I ever saw. And you think... I'll get it. Hello? Good health to all from a Rexall. <laughs> hey, I'll bet you'll never guess who this is, Mr. Scott. Go on, go on, go on, go on. See if you can guess. Oh, for heaven's sake. <laughs> who is it, dear? Old corn pone. <laughs> he wants me to play guessing games with him. Come yet. on, come on. Come on. What's the matter, Mr. Scott? Can't you guess? Come on, try. Who am I? Hildegard? <laughs> oh, Scotty, you're a clip. <laughs> it's not Hildegard. No, it's not Hildegard, but you're close. This is the incomparable Phil Harris. My, my, what a surprise. <laughs> Say, uh, how'd you like the present I sent you, Mr. Scott? I think it... <laughs> no, they'd take my phone out if I told him. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very unusual gift. Yeah, ain't it, Scotty? But it's nowhere near as unusual as the gift you sent me. That's such a beautiful, gorgeous... Uh, 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 what do you call it again? Christmas present. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hey, where'd you get it, Mr. Scott? I want to buy another one, just like it. What do you want two of them for? Oh, well, you see, it's not for me. I want one for Alice. It's something she can really use. 
Yes. <laughs> uh, excuse me a minute, Harris. What's wrong, dear? Harris wants a shaving kit for his wife. <gasps> you mean... I guess so. You never know. Makeup covers a lot of things. <laughs> Mr. Harris, if your wife really needs one, you can buy it at any Rexall store. Goodbye. But, Mr. Scott, Mr. Scott, look, Mr. Scott, I... Oh, nuts, he hung up. Now, how am I going to find out what it is? Well, didn't he give you any kind of a hint? No, all I know is you can buy it in any Rexall drugstore. Well, look, fellas, the only way we can find out what this is is to glue the pieces together. And as soon as we know, we can get a duplicate. Glue all these tiny pieces together? Mm-hmm. Well, it'll take a long time. Well, I don't care how long it takes. You fellas broke it, and you'll have to glue it together. You'll find the glue in the kitchen, Phil. Get started. Go on, go oh, on, All scat. right, all right. Hey, Frankie. Hmm? You think it'll take all night to glue this thing together? I don't know. Call me in the morning. Let me know how long Wait it takes. Wait a minute. <laughs> Just stay right here. You're going to help me. Now, come on. Let's get going. Let's get that glue pot. <laughs> Hey, Curly, it's almost midnight. We've been at this thing for four hours. What a messy job. Glue all over everything. Yeah, but we're doing all right, Franklin. Hey, we got this thing almost finished. Yeah? You know, it's starting to look like it might be a vase or something. Well, how much longer do we have to hold this thing together? My arms are getting tired. Well, look at the glue. Hmm? It looks hard now. Go ahead, you can let go of your side. Oh, thank goodness. I'm... <laughs> 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 Curly, I can't get my hands loose I'm stuck to it There's <laughs> a guy gets himself stuck to a vase Oh, Remley, when it comes to being a jerk You're the champ <laughs> All right, stop laughing Let go of your side and help me Okay, I... <clears throat> Would the new champ like to say something into the microphone? <laughs> Frankie, I can't budge my hands And hey, look hmm? The vase is glued to the table, too I heard of people being stuck on their Christmas presents But this is ridiculous <laughs> Come on, let's pull hard Maybe we can get loose No, 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 Frankie You might break the vase Don't do it Don't do it, No. Says. What do you want me to do? Go through life sitting at a table with a vase in my hand? <laughs> Will you just be calm now, Remley? I'll think of some way of getting our hands loose Just sit quietly oh, and let me think Bill. I was just upstairs to see if the children recovered, and look what I found under their bed. It's our present from Rexall. Honey, please don't bother me now. I... You found our present from Rexall? Well, if that's the present from Rexall, what's this thing Frankie and me have been working on half of the night? Well, let me see. I... Oh, Phil. Phil, don't you recognize that? That's the porcelain umbrella stand that William gave the children. <laughs> Porcelain umbrella stand Oh, no Well, boys oh. Now that you know what it is You can stop working on it I'm going to sleep, Phil You'd better go to bed, too Good night, Frankie Good night Oh, porcelain umbrella stand Oh, no Well, Remley, you better go home I'm going to bed Not without me, you aren't <laughs> with you. You've forgotten we're both glued to this thing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll just have to sleep five in a bed. 
Five? Yeah, you, me, the umbrella stand, and that old couple. <laughs> Alice and Phil will be back in just a moment. Right now, here's a conversation that could have taken place in almost any home today. You know, Mary, with all the tummy aches and headaches the family's apt to get during the holidays... I'm glad I've got some good, reliable drug products in the medicine cabinet. Gee, Nancy, how do you decide which brand to buy? That's easy. I use Rexall. Why? Well, our family druggist first recommended Rexall, and I asked him the same thing. He told me... Ma'am, we'd be here till closing time if I tried to tell you all the reasons, but here's just one. Every one of the 2,000 or more drug products made by the Rexall Drug Company undergoes five basic quality checks before and during their manufacture. And during some of these five basic checks, as many as ten separate tests are made. And this goes on and on from the time the raw material is received until the final product is packaged, labeled, and sent to our stores. That's one reason why we independent Rexall druggists tell you you can depend on any drug product that bears the name Rexall. Say, where do I find these products? Only at Rexall drugstores. Just look for the orange and blue Rexall sign in the window. Good health to all from Rexall. This is Phil again. Folks, the Rexall Drug Company, Alice and I hope that the coming year will be a most happy and joyous one for all of you. And we want you to know that you've certainly made our past year a happy one by your loyal listening to our program. We hope you'll continue to be with us each Sunday in the new year at the same time and on the same station. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you. Good night. This program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Janine Ruth, Ann Whitfield, Lois Corbett, and Gail Gordon. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis. Alice Fay appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Rexall. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Hello again, this is Buck Benny speaking. Welcome to another episode of the Jack Benny Show from the 1938-1939 season. We have another episode in which we have uh, Jack having a Christmas party, which is great fun. And one of his guests at his Christmas party is actress Joan Bennett. And Joan Bennett had just been recently in Artisan Models Abroad with Jack. And Jack would often take his leading ladies from his films and bring them on to his radio shows as a way to uh, cross-promote, or as Disney would say, synergize what was going on between his radio show and his movie career. Uh, Joan Bennett is probably not thought of as one of the you know, great actresses of all time, but she had a pretty impressive career. Uh, she was in films for seven decades. Her first film being in 1916, and her last being in 1977. 
Uh, I don't know many people that can be in films for seven decades. That's pretty crazy. Um, she also, she's probably best known for playing the character of Elizabeth Collins Stoddard in Dark Shadows, the um, horror uh, slash uh, soap opera that was on in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, she also was in, after that, was uh, canceled, and they spun it off into movies. They had two different movies of it. They were kind of disjointed movies, but she was in the first movie, and uh, but not in the second movie. Um, very popular actress, but on all counts, throughout the decades, um, just just delighted to have her here um, with Jack, and I hope you enjoy the show and enjoy uh, Joan Bennett, and we will see you next time for more Jack Benny. J-E-L-L-O The Jell-O Program, starring Jack Benny, with Mary Livingston, Phil Harris, Kenny Baker, and yours truly, Don Wilson. The orchestra opens the program with This Can't Be Love. <music> Ladies and gentlemen, you know, I've been thinking that today is a day of universal thank yous. Everybody's unwrapping Christmas gifts. Everybody's saying thank you to somebody else. And we want to say it, too. We want to thank you listeners for your gift to us of friendship and loyalty during the past four and a half years. You've made us mighty happy, tuning in every Sunday night, and we hope that we in turn have helped make you happy and brought you some pleasant half hours. So for the makers of Jell-O and for every one of us on the Jell-O program, thank you and Merry Christmas. This Can't Be Love, played by the orchestra. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this being Christmas Day, we look in on Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills, where he is holding open house for all his friends. Take it away! Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle around the table. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rumble seat with Gable. Jingle bells, jingle bells, dum da Mary, I wish you wouldn't jingle this ladder. I'm liable to fall off. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. And hand me the rest of those ornaments. I want to get this tree decorated before the gang gets here. Gets here. This is a fine time to be trimming a Christmas tree. It should have been done a week ago. Well, I wanted to look around and get a real good one. I never saw such a droopy tree. It looks like Zazu Pitts in a green dress. <laughs> Mary, all this tree needs is a few decorations. Now, uh, hand me up those candy canes. Here you are. And hold the ladder. Hey, I had 12 of these candy canes. Now there's only 11. Where's the other one? Don't look at me. I'm not looking at you. I'm asking you. All right, I ate it. Here's 10 cents. <laughs> Smarty, I bet you'd be surprised if I took it. I wouldn't be surprised if you sued me. <laughs> 
Mary, I want to get this finished. Hey, Rochester. Yes, boss? Uh, where's that big glass star I told you to pack away last Christmas? You mean that shiny one with the three points on it? That star has five points. Well, it went down two points this last year. <laughs> All right, bring it anyway. Mary, hand me some of that silver tinsel there. Here you are. Say, Jack, are your socks dry yet? Yeah. Well, take them off the tree. People will be here soon. <laughs> okay. Now, hang on to the ladder, Mary. I want to fix these top branches here. Hold tight now. Well, I'll be darned. What's the matter, Jack? There's a little squirrel up here on the top. <laughs> Hello, squirrel. Hello, nut. <laughs> Get away from me. Shoot. Mary, hand me that Cupid doll I won at Ocean Park. I'll hang that on the treetop there. Oh, Jack, that looks so corny. Why don't you get rid of it? Listen, Mary, I threw over a hundred baseballs to win this doll, and I'm going to keep it. That's right. Say, how much tinfoil have you got saved up by now? About three tons. Oh, shut up. <laughs> hand me a couple of those popcorn balls. There's the door, Mr. Benny. You want me to answer it? Look, Rochester, I'm up here on the ladder. My arms are full of ornaments, so what do you think? Well, how long before you'll be down? Answer the door! <laughs> yes, sir. Say, Mary, this tree is beginning to look pretty good now, isn't it? Huh? That tree wouldn't look good if Earl Carroll hung chorus girls on it. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, well, happy Yuletide, gentlemen. Entree! <laughs> Oh, Jack, they're the boys from Phil's orchestra. Gosh, what they did to my house last time they were here. Come in, fellas! <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Rochester, take the boys in the other room and give them some refreshments. You mean that punch you fixed up this afternoon? Yeah, help yourself, boys. Take it easy, man. It ain't nothing to get excited about. <laughs> That Rochester doesn't think punch is any good unless you have to crawl away from the bowl. <laughs> now, let's see. Uh, say, Jack, who's all coming over tonight anyway? Well, there's our whole gang. Then I invited some very important people. See, Robert Taylor and Barbara Stanwyck, Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, Ronald Coleman and Ginger Rogers. Oh, a whole flock of them. Well, gee, I ought to run home and put on a dress with a lower back. Lower back? It's down to San Diego now. <laughs> And, oh, Mary, you want to hear something terrific? I asked Barbara Whitney to come here as my guest. Barbara Whitney? Yeah, you remember the girl I took away from Phil Harris? The girl you took away from Phil? <laughs> what are you laughing at? That's like taking a hair away from John L. Lewis's eyebrows. Just the same, Phil will burn up when he sees her here. Is she coming alone? No, I asked Don Wilson to stop by and pick her up. Now, Mary, hand me some more of that tinsel. I want to get this tree finished. Well, I guess they're starting to arrive now, huh? Hey, Mr. Benny, are you still up on that ladder? Yes, I am. Okay, then I'll answer. <laughs> well, that's mighty sweet of you. See, now I think I'll put something on this branch here. Oh, Jack, why don't you stop fussing with that tree and come down? No, Mary, Miss Whitney will be here, and I want it to look beautiful. Hello, Rochester. Hello, Mr. Baker. Merry Christmas, seasons, felicitations, and wipe your feet. 
Hiya, Kenny. Merry Christmas, everybody. Come on in, Kenny. Hang up your hat and coat and make yourself at home. Okay, Jack. Am I the first one here? No, the orchestra boys are in the other room. Hey, Kenny, don't hang your coat on the Christmas tree. Would need something. <laughs> well, it's not that, Bear. Oh, say, Jack, here's a little present for you. It's nothing much, but I hope you like it. Oh, thanks, Kenny. Here, catch it. Gee, I wonder what it is. I'll bet it's a baked apple. <laughs> bet it isn't. Say, it's a pretty package. Oh, Kenny, these are beautiful. They're the very latest thing, Jack. Musical handkerchiefs. Musical handkerchiefs? Huh? Yeah, every time you blow your nose, chimes ring. <laughs> well, I'll be darned. I can hardly wait till I catch a cold. Well, why don't you try one, Jack? Okay, I will. Now blow hard. <laughs> Isn't that a novelty? I wonder how they ever made these. They must have crossed a piece of linen with a hunk of xylophone. Mary, you're positively brilliant. Say, Jack, as long as the orchestra boys are here, I'd like to go in the next room and brush up on my song. Oh, go ahead, Kenny. We'll want a little entertainment. Okay, see you later. Now, Mary, we've just got a few more things to put up. So hand me that big paper bell there. Here you are, Jack. Hey, Rochester, there's the door again. I got my shoes off. Well, put them on and answer it. Okay. <laughs> you know, Mary, the way Rochester's been acting lately, I've got a good mind not to give him his Christmas present. What'd you get him, Jack? A brand new vacuum cleaner. A vacuum cleaner? Yes. Oh, that's lovely. He can play with it on his day off. Well, at least it's something practical. Here you are, boss. A couple of telegrams for you. Telegrams? See who they're from, Mary. Okay. Christmas greetings, I suppose, huh? Oh, Jack, this wire's from Robert Taylor. Oh, Bob, huh? Yes, he says that, Dear Jack, terribly sorry that Miss Stanwyck and I are unable to come to your party tonight, as Miss Stanwyck's dog, Rover, is quite ill. Hmm. I don't believe it. That's just a thin excuse. Hmm. What's the other wire, Mary? Uh, here it is. Uh, it says, uh, Dear Jack, believe me, Mr. Taylor is telling the truth. I have a terrible headache, signed Rover. <laughs> hmm. Well, it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to see those, through those wires. I'm glad they're not coming. That burns me up. Hey, Jack, shall I try my song now? Yes, go ahead and try it. What do I care? Mary, hand me some more of that lousy tinsel. <laughs> How still we see the light above thy deep and dreamless sleep. The silent stars go by. Yet in the dark street shineth the everlasting light. The For his bed, 
The little Lord Jesus lay down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looking down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep in the here could stand a few more ornaments. Mary, hold the ladder. Okay. And hold it tight. Remember what happened the last time I climbed a tree. Yeah, you saw the Rose Bowl game. <laughs> I don't mean that time. Wow, look at all those decorations. Hey, Mary, what's that round, shiny thing on top? Jack's head. It is not. It's a silver moon. Hey, boss, another telegram for you. Take it, Mary. I wonder if I should put a popcorn ball on top there instead of a star. Oh, Jack, this telegram is from Ronald Coleman. Oh, Ronnie, uh, what does he say? He says, Dear Sir, <laughs> uh, Regret exceedingly that I cannot attend your holiday gathering, and incidentally, how did you get my address? <laughs> how did I get his address? He lives right in back of me. Well, there's another one off your list. Yeah. Oh, darn it, that top bulb went out. Hold the ladder tight, Mary. There, I guess I can reach it. Oh, Jack, here comes Don Wilson and Barbara Whitney up the front steps. Oh, fine, let them in, Mary. Okay. Gee, I hope Barbara liked the Christmas present I sent her. Hello, Don, Merry Christmas. Same to you, Mary. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hello, Jack. Oh, hello, Barbara. Merry <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Ooh, my leg. Was that the door, Mr. Benny? No, that was me. I fell off the ladder. Oh, I won't answer it then. Help me up, Don. 
Ooh, I sat on some ornaments. I hope somebody sent me a pair of tweezers. Here, give me a hand, Jack. That's too bad. Oh, I'm awfully sorry, Jack. It's all my fault. No, it isn't, Barbara. I'd have probably fallen off anyway. Gee, I'm glad to see you, Babs. Hey, did Don drive carefully on the way over? Well, he drove pretty fast, but he had his arm around me so I wouldn't bounce out. Oh. Oh, so that's it. Why, Don? From Harris to Benny to Wilson. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Mary. I'm not a bit jealous of Don. He's my friend, aren't you, Don? Yes, Jack, and believe me, I acted like a perfect gentleman. Did he, Barbara? Well, he did whisper something in my ear that was kind of cute. Oh, yeah? What was it, Don? Well, Jack, I'll admit I did sort of lose my head for a minute. All right. <laughs> Come on, Don. What did you whisper in Barbara's ear? Well, I got all excited and I said, uh, Roses are red, violets are blue, jello is tempting, and so are you. <laughs> Why, Don Wilson, look at those big red blushes on your face. Say, Babs. Did you get the Christmas present I sent you? Thanks, Jack. They were lovely, but I never wear pink ones. Oh, darn it, Barbara! Keep still! <laughs> Gosh! Oh, boy! Jack is sure some devil. <laughs> Stop laughing, Kenny. I bought Barbara a pair of pink gloves. I bet they got lace on them. They have nothing on the kind. Now, come on, everybody. Let's go in the other room and have some refreshments. Oh, that's great. Let's try and get something to eat. Hey, boss, boss. What is it, Rochester? There's somebody at the back door wants to see you. Oh, yes, I know who it is. Excuse me a minute. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, hello, Andy. Hiya, bud. Not so loud. Wait till I close the door. Now, look, Andy. You'll find the Santa Claus suit out there in the garage. And as soon as you're dressed, you climb up on the roof and come down the chimney. Well, well, I better put a beard on so they won't recognize me. Yeah, you better put one on your tonsils, too. <laughs> now, here, here's the bag with all the presents in it. Okay, gee, this is going to be fun. <laughs> Quiet, Andy. Quiet. They'll hear you. Oh, say, Buck, here's a little Christmas present that Ma sent you. I hope you like it. Well, that was very sweet of her. What is it, Andy? Well, it's a combination salad, fork, and back scratcher. <laughs> well, say, there's a comb on there, too. Now, that's for your hair, are you? Uh... <laughs> Wait a minute, Andy. Say, there's a comb on there, too. That's... <laughs> that's for your hair as you're going by. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's too late now. <laughs> now, look, remember, Andy. Remember, when you're all dressed up, look at when you're all dressed up, get up on the roof, see? And here's your cue. When you hear me say, Sandy Claus will be here in a minute, you come down the chimney. Okay, see you later, Buck. <laughs> I feel like a darn fool. <laughs> Quiet, Andy. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Dum, dum, dum. Well, here I am again, gang. Hey, I'm sorry, Barbara. I had a little business to attend to. Oh, that's quite all right. Uh, say, Jack, another telegram just came for you. It's from Clark Gable and Carol Lombard. Oh, oh, what does it say? It says that we would love to be with you tonight, but we were invited somewhere else in the nick of time. <laughs> well, uh... Oh, uh, that's the last time I'll ever invite them. 
I hope Ginger Rogers doesn't wire me that she can't come. She couldn't wait. She telephoned. <laughs> oh, that's fine. The next time I'll give a party, I'll get a crowd if I have to change my name to Elsa Maxwell. This is awful. Yeah, what are we going to do with all this food in the kitchen? I don't know, Rochester. Doggone, I'll be eating so much cranberry sauce, I'll be red in the face. <laughs> that's a neat trick if you can do it. Red in the face. Say, Jack, isn't Phil Harris coming over tonight? Phil? Of course he is. And wait till he sees Barbara Whitley here. Why, Jack, didn't you tell Phil I had a date with you tonight? No, let the wise guy find out for himself. Hey, boys, how about playing a number, fellas, and we'll wait and we'll dance till dinner is ready. And leave the punch ball on the table. You can go back. Come on, Babs, let you and I dance. I'm sorry, Jack. I promised the first one to Don. Oh, I see. Well, Mary, looks like I'm stuck with you. Oh, no, you're not. I'm stuck with Kenny. Hmm. Well, play, boys. Hey, Rochester. I don't want to dance. I don't want you to dance. I want you to put down that newspaper and get out of that easy chair. Hit it, boys. Who does Clark Gable think he is, anyway? Thanks, Barbara. I enjoyed that dance very much. So did I, Don. Say, Mary, I'm some dancer, ain't I? Kenny, you're marvelous, and believe me, I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks, pal. Hey, Jack, what are you doing up on that ladder again? I want to put these ornaments back on top of the tree. Now, Mary, hold the ladder steady this time, will you? There's the door, Rochester. Don't go every time that bell rings you up on the ladder. <laughs> Listen, Rochester, you'd be trimming this tree yourself if you weren't colorblind. Mary, hand me up those scissors. Well, well, Merry Christmas, Mr. Harris. Hiya, Rochester. Say, Jack, it's Phil Harris. Oh, boy, wait till he sees Barbara here. Merry Christmas, Phil. Same to you, Jackson. Say, Jack, I brought a friend along. Do you mind? No, no, who is it? Joan Bennett. Joan Bennett? Hello, Joan. Hello, Jack. 
Oh, my elbow. Well, Jack, what are you doing in that ridiculous position? Who, me? It's an encore, but you don't know it. <laughs> uh, help me up, Mary. Well, Joan, I'm awfully glad you dropped in. She was nice of Phil to bring you. Oh, he and I are old friends, aren't we, Phil? You said it, baby. <laughs> baby. You know, Joan, every girl he takes out, he calls baby. Well, he can't remember all their names. <laughs> Half of them you can't even pronounce. <laughs> oh, Joan, you know everybody here, don't you? Nearly everybody. Hello, Mary. Hello, Joan. Gee, that's a pretty dress you've got on. Thanks. You really like it? No, but it's Christmas. <laughs> Mary. Oh, Joan, I don't think you've met Miss Whitney. Uh, this is Barbara Whitney, my latest. Well, how do you do, Miss Bennett? How do you do? She's a little young for you, isn't she, Jack? <laughs> Well, well, that's me. Get them young, treat them rough, and buy them nothing. <laughs> you know, Joan, Phil is so witty at times. Hey, Miss Bennett. Miss Bennett. Yes, Kenny. Here I am under the mistletoe. <laughs> I'll be over in about five years. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Joan. Five years. Gosh, I'll be out of the mood by then. Look what's in a mood. Well, boys and girls, I hope you're all hungry. We're going to have a swell turkey. Don't tell me you went for a turkey. Yes, I did, Phil. We're going to have a marvelous dinner. Everything from soup to nuts. How much is it a plate? Well, just ignore that. Oh, Rochester, how's the turkey coming along? We're getting hungry. Well, it'll take time, boss. That's a pretty tough bird. Tough bird? He's been in the oven over three hours. I know, but every time I light the gas, he blows it out. I'll be darned. Now, you go out in the kitchen and rush that turkey along. Okay. Man, that's the foulest foul I ever saw. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joan, but you know Rochester exaggerates, so the dinner is really lovely. Well, to tell the truth, Jack, I'm not hungry. Oh. Well, there's an unusual blonde. Quiet, Mary. Well, folks, let's have some of these hors d'oeuvres here till dinner is ready. Oh, huh? Jack. Rochester made a mistake. Now, what's the matter? There's only seven of us here, and he brought in eight olives. <laughs> well, Joan can have two. Gee, it, it's good to see you again, Joan. Gosh, I haven't seen you since we finished making artists and models abroad. We sure had a lot of fun in that picture, didn't we? Yes, we did, Jack. It's playing around now. Have you seen it? Joan, you promise you won't tell anybody? I promise. I saw it 12 times. <laughs> Twelve times? Yeah. You know your part, Jeff? <laughs> a little trouble, didn't I? But say, Joan, no kidding, gee, when I looked up at the screen and, and I saw you in my arms, gee, it, it seemed just like a dream. You mean that scene where we were sitting on the park bench in the moonlight eating popcorn? Yeah. Gee, wasn't it marvelous? Well, I didn't think there was enough butter on it. <laughs> I'm talking about us. Oh. You know, Joan, the two of us worked so smoothly together. How would you like to make another picture with me sometime? Well, Jack, I don't know. I couldn't really say right now. Send him a telegram. Everybody else does. <laughs> Mary, 
Oh, say, Joan, I almost forgot. Come on out here in the hall a minute. I got a surprise for you. What is it? Oh, come on. Come on with me. You'll find out. Excuse us a minute, will you, fellas? Hey, Jack, what's the idea? Never mind. Come on, Joan. Oh, all right. Don't pull me. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, here we are. Where? Right under the mistletoe. You know what that means, don't you? No. What does it mean? Well, it means this. <laughs> Yippee! <laughs> wow! Hooray. <laughs> Wasn't that swell, huh? Now, let's go back and, Joan, act nonchalant. Huh? All right. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Jam, dum, dum, da, dum, dum, dum. That's the idea. Hey, Jack, what are we going to eat? Oh, well, yeah. How all right, pretty soon, fellas, pretty soon. Now, look, everybody, before we go into dinner, I want you all to sit around the fireplace and get your presents. Santa Claus is coming down the chimney. Santa Claus? Yeah. Now, sit around the fireplace, everybody. Oh, oh, right. Now, put out the lights, Mary. Okay, Jack. Because... Sandy Claus will be down here in a minute. Because Sandy Claus will be down here in a minute. Because Sandy Claus... Oh, stop that clowning, Jack. I'm not clowning. Sandy Claus, are you deaf? Deaf nothing. I'm stuck in the chimney. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What do we do now? Let's see. That's it. Come on, fellas. See you later, Andy. Oh, This is the busiest season of all the year, and you mothers know it better than anyone else. Well, here's one swell way to save time and trouble and keep your family happy. Get acquainted with the delicious new Jell-O puddings and serve them often. Well, they're quick and easy to prepare, and the whole family will enjoy them. Jell-O butterscotch pudding, rich with old-fashioned butterscotch flavor. Jell-O vanilla pudding, creamy, delicate, and smooth. And Jell-O chocolate pudding, rich and chocolatey and tempting. All three can be made in next to no time, for they require only just a few minutes cooking. And you get delicious pudding, the real homemade kind that's just mouth-watering good. So for easy, inexpensive, and delicious desserts, try the new Jell-O puddings. Butterscotch, vanilla, chocolate. Good night, folks, and Merry Christmas. on the Jell-O program through courtesy of Mervyn LaRoy Productions. This is the National Broadcasting Company.